want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan. I'm just truly Nick Baumgartner, along here with Austin Meek this week. It is March 5th as we're recording this. Uh, Austin, how are we doing, first of all? Doing well. Got some sunshine today. Starting to spe- yeah. uh, feel a little bit like spring, spring football around the corner. So that's that's always a uh, it's always a nice day to wake up on that first day of March and see a little sunshine. Feels like the uh, feels like you survived the long dark winter a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, we're not out of the woods yet uh, here in the uh, cold part of the Midwest, but uh, we're we're getting there, I think, or hopefully anyway. Uh, so Michigan obviously doesn't start spring practice for a little bit yet. Uh, what's the date? Is it the seventeenth? Am I right or the? 13th uh, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Like so somewhere in now. there. Yeah, about two weeks. But we figured today we haven't we didn't do an episode last week, so we figured we'd come back and, and maybe get into a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of early spring uh, conversation here before they get really going. Um, and obviously, the number one thing on everyone's list will be the quarterback derby. Uh, I think we could probably get into that later as as it gets rolling. But Austin, I'm curious as we get going, heading into spring, just blind before we talk to anybody, um, you know, maybe some of the things on your mind in terms of, you know, what you're looking at, you know, a position battle here or, you know, somebody who needs to maybe prove something there or, you know, a question or what have you. What are maybe a couple of the things just off the off the cuff that uh, that will maybe pique your interest a little bit? Yeah, you mentioned the quarterback battle. That's obviously the number one thing. Uh, but beyond that, a couple position groups that I think are interesting. I think the offensive line is really interesting. I'm uh, excited to talk to Ed Warner for the first time and get a sense from him of how some of those redshirt freshmen are are fitting into the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, we you know we've we've gotten a little bit of an idea of where some of those guys are gonna play. Uh, you know, Zach Carpenter uh, sounds like a guy who is going to compete for time at center. I think that center battle is going to be really interesting to see who steps in and replaces Cesar Ruiz. Um, you know, can a guy like Carson Barnhart work his way into the rotation, maybe even ahead of a guy who, who's been in the program longer? You know, I just think that that's I think that that's a really interesting position group. You know, and a couple new coaches. I'm I'm interested to talk for the first time. To Bob Shoup and Brian Jean yeah. Mary, uh, the two additions to Jim Harbaugh's staff from this off season, uh, find out. You know, I think especially Bob Shoup. I'm you know I'm curious the first time we talk to him to find out you know, just uh, you know j- what he brings schematically to the defense. Uh, if if he does you know have a role in kind of bouncing some ideas around with Don Brown in in terms of. Uh, you know some adjustments they can make this off season defensively. Uh, so hey, a couple things I got my eye on. What what are you looking at going into spring? Yeah, I think uh, the lines would be the, the both lines offensively and defensively, and, and probably I guess like starting where you, you were talking about the interior. Um, you know the uh, the center spot, the guard spots. Um, you know, and then sort of how that fleshes itself out. You know, Carpenter. I think we've heard, we've all heard so much about him and natural strength and you know you know a really good athlete uh or at least just at least more than anything else just a very powerful young kid who's got a lot of power and and could be strong enough because i think that's half the battle for a young kid is you know can you can your strength hold up um and, and allow you to get in there and uh compete early enough in your career so that would be those would be the top two and then if i flipped it over to d- defense another name that 
you know, sort of pops out to me that continues to just, you know, burn in my brain is Michael Barrett, um, the, the linebacker, you know, slash whatever he ends up being a slash with, uh, safety mm-hmm. slash maybe he's just an inside linebacker. You know, that's a guy that, you know, I think I've been sort of waiting to for a while now to to get it, to get into a situation where we know he's going to be able to realistically compete for time. Um, you know, Cameron McGrone's pretty entrenched. Uh, they're probably going to want to do something with Josh Ross, but Michael Barrett, it's it's probably go time, and he's a really really good athlete. They've they've really worked hard on bringing him along. I almost feel like it's a similar scenario to what it was like with Josh Uche, where they recruited him with a plan, sort of, and, you know, maybe plans change along the way a little bit, but they've tried to keep it slow and steady for him um, with a future in mind. But now it's here, and I'm really sort of curious to hear what, you know, maybe Don Brown, maybe he'll be able to reveal a little bit more of what their plan is for a guy like that. But because, you know, Michael Barrett is, you know, a, is a, you know, a 230-pound you know, well-built kid who's like a four-five, something like that, somewhere in there. I don't know what, if his time has dipped or gone up since he got into the program, but but a kid with really good speed that I think they could do a lot of cool stuff with at linebacker, whether it be you know taking over as you know the Cleek Hudson the Viper spot, or maybe he just plays an inside linebacker spot alongside you know Cameron McGrone. Maybe that's what you do with him. But but he's a guy who I think when I look at potential difference makers. You know, guys with the speed and the athleticism and everything else to do it. Um, he's one that we haven't seen yet that really stands out to me. And I think that when you look at Michigan's defense, um, you know, the things that they did lose from last year and the things that are still unproven, you know, they're they're not going to be able to answer a lot of those questions with big size. So I think that I don't think anyway. Uh, so speed is going to be you know absolutely necessary and. Um, you know, he's what I've been curious about for a while, maybe selfishly, because I'm just interested to see what they do with him. But I think that, you know, that would certainly be one defensively where we're looking at, you know, what 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 spots in the front seven, because you got to replace Uche, you got to replace, uh, you know, some of the guys you lost up the middle as well. But, you know, he's one that I, I'm really interested to see, you know, kind of where he lands. You did a story from the NFL Combine looking at some guys who could be potential uh, targets for the Lions with their draft pick, and one of the guys you wrote about was Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I actually yeah. didn't realize that I may have covered Isaiah Simmons' brother at Kansas. I didn't put together uh, the you know what you probably there. did Victor yeah yeah Victor yeah. Simmons. I did not it realize. Is, yeah. uh, <laughs> I can say Victor yeah. uh, perhaps did not stand out uh, on the field quite to the same degree <laughs> as Isaiah, since I, I yeah, did not no, remember not him. But yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, you know, just a you know, just a freak. Uh, yep. You know, a guy who can can do so many different things. Is that kind of the direction uh, that football is going now? Defensively, is is to find guys who can play that way? And you know, as you as you talk about Michael Barrett, mm-hmm. that's just kind of what popped into my mind. Yeah. And obviously, you know, not not to make the comparison necessarily, but just um, you know, the the idea of putting guys on the field defensively who have versatility. It seems like that's yes. such a big emphasis for Don Brown. And it seems like as you look at Michigan's defense, as you said, maybe not a ton of size there. Uh, they're not going to necessarily mm-hmm. you know, fill, fill all of their holes uh, with size, but it does seem like a defense that has quite a few guys who, who have that versatility that you like. Yeah, and really it's been that way for a couple of years. And, you know, some defensive coordinators have been on it faster than others, and some were a little slower to embrace it. Um, but, you know, for it's funny you mentioned Isaiah Simmons, Austin, because, um, you know, I was talking to his 
high school coach who coached T and Victor um, there in Kansas uh, earlier this week. And I mean, I was reminded myself that Don Brown, right after Don Brown got the job at Michigan in late 2015, early 2016, they made a really heavy press for a kid that no one really knew about from, was it Olath, oh, am I pronouncing this, Olathe North? Olathe North, yeah. Olathe North, Isaiah Simmons, Don Brown wanted him. Michigan made a really hard press for him uh, in January of 2016, and I think the push was we're gonna we're gonna let you come in here and do whatever we can do with you on defense, which could be any. We don't know what that'll be yet, but that was sort of the the pitch they were going with. So, you know that's been a, that's been something on Don Brown's radar for quite a while, and every year that we've seen, it's been more than just the the hybrid. Uh, you know, a lot of people I think when he first got here, they associate it with well, they they have Jabril Peppers. Um, and he's a hybrid safety linebacker, so it would just make sense for them to do that. But what maybe some people forget in that is that, you know, when Don Brown was at Boston College, he had a kid named Matt Milano who was outstanding in that role who did the same thing. And so he's been on this on this sort of uh, train for a while and, you know, has recruited kids, you know, during his time at Michigan pretty extensively all, all the way up until this latest class that we just saw with guys like Jordan Morant and others like that who, you know, we used to call them tweeners. But, you know, and we used to call him that with, it was almost like a derogatory, you know, term where it was like, we don't know where you fit and we don't know how this is going to work. And now those guys are, you know, pretty coveted, especially if they're really athletic because, um, you know, as any defensive coordinator tell you in college or in pro, you know, these matchups that you're, you're asking certain guys to cover, if the traditional linebacker body, you know, just doesn't work anymore. Um, You know, you can't be 255 and slow. I mean, you just can't do it. You've got to be able to run. I mean, ideally, they'd love you if if you're 255 and can get sideline to sideline. But, you know, that's definitely something where when you look at Michigan's roster going forward um, and everybody they recruit and everybody they bring in, you know, you look at it and see guys that it could go one way or the other. Like Brad Hawkins is another great example. Brad Hawkins, who I think... You know, Lavert Hill and um, Josh Metellus last week at the Combine both, you know, said right off the top, you know, you know, at the Combine, Austin, as you know, uh, one of the things people do is they go there and they ask these guys, OK, forget about your career. Tell me what's going on at your college. So like, you know, it turns into that. And those guys mentioned uh, Brad Hawkins right away as a guy that they think is going to be great. Uh, next year, and Brad obviously is settled in at safety, but you know, Brad Hawkins worked out at Viper linebacker here. Uh, they brought him in as a wide receiver, and eventually, you know, he revolves around, and then he winds up at safety. And you know, I think Brad Hawkins has a chance to, you know, have a really good year and maybe be a draftable player in the NFL because you know he's a big-bodied kid who's pretty athletic who can probably do a couple different things for you. So you know, those are the things across the board on the front, on the, on the front end, and the back end. You know the the Uche role, the hybrid Sam linebacker, and then and then the safety slash linebacker. You're looking for guys that can do two two for ones, uh, whereas Isaiah Simmons is the kind of the unicorn three for one, which you don't really right. see much of that. Um, but you know, there's a lot of guys like that. I think that they brought into the program uh, over the years that are in that mold that are going to have a chance to do that. I, just the two that jump out would be you know, the one that jumps out that we haven't seen yet is Barrett, but. You know, there are certainly other guys who it'd be interesting to see because, you know, they've tweaked a little bit of something every year with Don Brown. Um, it hasn't always been exactly the same. Uh, in fact, it's never been exactly the same. I know people like to fall into those sort of low-hanging fruit habits and just say they just run the same thing every single time, which is just not true. Um, the alignment and everything else sort of dictates or is dependent on who they have. And so I'm interested to see sort of how everything shakes out. And, you know, Don Brown's not going to rush anything. He rarely does. But... 
you know, that'll be that. The other thing too, Austin, I guess, is you know, receiver with Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples Jones gone. We know Nico Collins is back, but some other guys are going to get some chances, um, you know, underneath. And I think one other thing to be interested in would be, you know, does the role for Giles Jackson expand extensively um, as they go into spring and then head into the summer? Yeah, you can tell from talking to Josh Gaddis that he is very yes. excited about Giles Jackson uh, and has a lot of ideas about how to use Giles Jackson, not just as a receiver. You, you can put him in the backfield. You can put him in the slot, uh, a, a dynamic kick returner. Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that his role is going to expand significantly this year. You know, and I think another thing that we'll have our eye on in the spring is uh, are any of the freshmen who enrolled early in line to uh, potentially crack the two deep, uh, get on the field as freshmen. Uh, it looks like there's about eight of them. Uh, Braden McGregor, the defensive end from Port Huron. Yeah. Blake Corum, the running back from St. Francis Academy. Andre Selden, a cornerback, a local kid. Uh, Makari Page, also an in-state uh, kid, safety from West Bloomfield. Zach Zinter, offensive lineman, uh, is on campus early. Let's see who else we have. Uh, Nakai Hill-Green, another uh, linebacker mm-hmm. from St. Francis Academy. William Mohan, uh, an athlete uh, from Brooklyn. And Aaron Lewis, a defensive end, are the guys who uh, are enrolled early and yeah. expected to participate in the spring. Uh, hearing that list, is there a name or two that jumps out to you uh, as like that guy has a good chance to, to get on the field right away? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's a tough one because I, you know, they they love Blake Corum, um, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't stun me if Blake Corum shows up and, and and sort of is as advertised, despite the fact that, you know, you're sitting there with Zach Charbonnet and Hassan Haskins, who both had really good years last season. Chris Evans should be back in the mix on some level, but I don't think anything's promised there. I don't think that uh, you would sit here and say Chris Evans is just going to walk in and be a you know, take reps away from somebody who, you know, is on top. So it wouldn't shock me if Blake Corum, just given his athleticism and everything else, can carve out a role. Um, when I when I look at guys like Nakai Hill-Green and um, William Mohan, those are two more hybrid players that I think it's going to be really, really good for them uh, to be in the program this early. Uh, because, again, I don't think that I would expect either of those guys necessarily to be you know, out there, you know, in terms of maybe special teams, but in terms of, um, you know, being involved in whatever they want them to do yet, I think they're going to let those guys feel that out. Uh, Lewis is a guy who I thought still needed some weight, weight, you know, strength training and everything else. But another another thing where that's really good for him to be in the program early. Uh, McGregor, I think that's the interesting one to me. Um, I, you know, he played with that. He had that injury last year. I still thought Braden McGregor needed a lot more time um, coming out of high school. You know, I could be wrong. Um, I know that they they likened him, I think, right, Austin, to, to Aiden Hutchinson a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And Aiden was ready right away. Uh, and I think I was a little surprised that Aiden Hutchinson was ready right away, so I wouldn't be shocked. Andre Selden is a kid who's super athletic, and I, I, I wonder if... Uh, I wonder if it's something where maybe he makes a little noise, and then Makari Page is also in the same the same boat where he's an interesting. So I think you got a lot of guys. It was I think my takeaway on that would be, and then same with Zinter. I, I don't expect him as a first year lineman to be in there. But my takeaway with that would be is all those guys that are enrolled early, um, all are going to be. You know, when I look when I go across the list over the years with those kids that enroll early, there's a lot of times where I'll, I'll wind up on some kid somewhere. I'll say, boy. I, I think it would have been really beneficial for him to be there early. And I think all the kids on this list, 
you know, if that makes sense, the positions they're trying to learn um, and the situations they're going to be put in, I think it's, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of these kids to be there early, uh, to have that opportunity to get the extra year of strength, strength, strength training. And that's it. I mean, it's, you get that extra year of January through, uh, you know, May, basically, and then through the summer. I mean, you, you're, you're already hitting the ground running when the guys get there in the summer, but you get January through June, you know, with um, the strength staff. And that is just massive. You get the whole off-season program. You get everything so that when you go into your next year, when, when the season's over and you got to do it again, you're not shocked by it. You know, your body's ready to take it because it's a lot. You know, there's a lot that they put on you with, with Ben Herbert and his crew and everything else. So I think all those guys, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I've been surprised before, but I think all of them, it would be a benefit. I can see the huge upside for all of them to be here early just for the strength training and just for the ability to work around these coaches and get get more film session because I think they have plans for all those guys. Um, and some of those plans are a little complex and, and probably complicated, and they need extra time. So I think it's it's that's what you want from an early enrollee, in my opinion, a lot of times. I mean, everybody focuses on the quarterback, and obviously you always want your quarterback if you can get them there. Sometimes school uh, prohibits that. But, um, you know, this is this is one where I think you look at all those guys and you say, okay, that, that makes sense that they're here early, and I think they could all get benefits, you know, from it in some way, some, some way or form. Yeah, Andre Selden, I think, is the guy that I'm kind of curious to see. Mm-hmm. Uh a guy who uh, had had some buzz coming out of the All Star games. I remember being down yep. in Orlando at the Under Armour game, uh, and there were quite a few people talking about Andre Selden as one of the guys who really stood out there. Not the biggest guy in the world, five foot eight, right, one hundred and fifty four yeah. pounds uh, is what he's listed at coming in. Uh, yep. But it seems like a guy who really has a nose for the ball as a cornerback. Maybe a guy who plays a little bit bigger than uh, you know what the measurements would say. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Michigan has had some success. You know, with a guy like Levert Hill, who's maybe a little bit undersized, but ended up having a great career at cornerback. Uh, and when you look at the depth chart there at that position, and Ambry Thomas comes back uh, is going to be you know mm-hmm. potentially All Big Ten, maybe even All America type player hopefully for for Michigan yeah. uh yeah. Vincent Gray I think is probably ready to step in uh to that sort of number two cornerback role uh a guy who I think they were pretty high on coming into last season before they knew that Ambry Thomas would be a full go after that not not a ton of established depth there at cornerback so uh you would think that there might be a chance for a guy like Andre Selden to uh you know to come in and, and make an impression in the spring and, and maybe work his way on the depth chart yeah, he's got the explosive athleticism there that you that you want. It wouldn't surprise me at all um, to see Michigan get into a situation where they say, you know, we really like what this guy does. We're not really re- sure if we're ready to put him in there and let him just be, you know, you know, the third corner yet. But you know, maybe. But I wouldn't shock me if they say, you know what, um, we are going to get you on the field in some capacity. You are going to be involved in special teams or you're going to be involved in something we do because we think you're a football player and we think you're athletic and we think you're really good and we think you have really good instincts and we're not just going to bury you on the bench. And, and, I, and Harbaugh has shown over the years, and, and especially now with the ability to do the, the four-game redshirt, and I think, I think Harbaugh has shown over the years that he doesn't lean on the redshirt thing uh, sort of as much as other coaches do. And I think sometimes you could argue maybe that's come back to – to bite him in some cases, but I think in a lot of cases it's, it's, you know, he makes the case where in in many of those cases, it's better for the kid to get out there and play. And I did hear that a lot actually also in this, this off season um, from inside the program, making, making more, especially on offense, but maybe it holds on defense too. Um, 
making a more concerted effort to get some of those young guys involved um, early and you know find ways to you know allow them to do something where they're staying more engaged so that if they are called upon they're re- they're more ready to go you know when it's time to go um, giving them more to do uh, early in the season because you can do that I think you can find things for guys that you really really like and you say okay he showed up he enrolled early he's done everything we've asked him to do we really like him as a player we can find something for him to do it's the, it's the same thing you know in a way that you know what Michigan did with uh, not I'm not trying to compare Andre Seldon to these two kids but when Devin Bush and Khalid Hudson were freshmen they were on like every every special teams team I mean they played they, they were out there blocking punts they're running around they're doing something and they were engaged all the way throughout the entire season because they knew that first of all they knew Devin Bush was going to be a complete star and they were like we're this guy's going to be a stud for us at some point but you know we've got a senior Ben Gideon who's who was a draft pick playing in front of him and I don't think we're ready to start him over him but you know he's going to be a guy for us we want we want him to know that same thing with Hudson so Selden is a guy for sure as I was looking at that list that I could see them saying you know, let's find something for him to do. Let's get him engaged and, and let's get him out there and let's see what he can do at least early in the season. And, and if it doesn't work out, we got to pull him back. We pull him back because you get the four games now. Um, but that's a guy for sure I could see them saying, if there's a special package or maybe he's in dime or something, whatever it is, I, I could definitely see Andre Seldon working his way into some role uh, in a productive manner, you know, as a, early at least, maybe in September. And then we'll see, you know, this freshman season. Yeah, well, as we talk about young players and looking to the future, we can look even further into the future. Uh, on the way back from Indianapolis, I, uh, I stopped uh, through Chicago and sat down with J.J. McCarthy, who is the five-star quarterback who is committed to Michigan for the 2021 class. Uh, pretty impressive kid, I got to say. Yeah. Uh, I, that was the first time I had talked to him, uh, but you're around him for just you know 10 or 15 minutes, and hopefully it comes through in the story that he has... Uh, just this this drive uh, that it's you know it's kind of infectious uh, you know I, I just sitting down and talk, talking to him I was pretty fired up wanted to go uh, uh, yeah. throw some weights <laughs> or something so obviously a lot of excitement uh, yeah. around him you know he is the highest rated high school quarterback uh, that that Michigan will have signed under Jim Harbaugh yep. uh, and, and we talked about this a little bit of you know the the challenge that is looming out there uh, for somebody to really come in and be the man for Michigan at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shea Patterson, you know, ended up having uh, a good career, you know, good numbers, had yeah. some moments uh, where he was really good, had some moments, you know, some ups and downs, certainly in there and some peaks and valleys. Uh, and I think you'd have to say about Shea Patterson's career in the aggregate, uh, it didn't, you know, it was a good career that didn't live up to everything that fairly or unfairly was placed on Shea Patterson when he came into the program. Yeah. Now the next shot is going to go to Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton, one of the two, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see. You know, if if one of those two guys ends up being the guy who takes Michigan to the promised land, so to speak. But yeah. if not, 
then the next in line is going to be J.J. McCarthy. And, and we talked about that a little bit. You know, he uh, right. is aware that he's going to come into a quarterback room uh, with, with some guys who really can play and, and may have to wait his turn a little bit or may not. You know, a lot of things can yeah. happen in this next year before he gets on campus. Uh, but, you know, certainly as you look out at the future of that quarterback position at Michigan, uh, some really intriguing pieces, I think you would have to say, we don't know necessarily yeah. how they're all going to fit together, uh, exactly what the future is going to hold there. Uh, but I think if you're looking ahead and saying, can Michigan ever get over this hump? You know, Can they ever beat Ohio State? Can they ever win the Big Ten? Still very much uh, certainly the question around the Michigan program, but it helps to have a guy who is a, yes. you know, a top 25 player at quarterback uh, nationally in the country in his class. Um, that that's the type of guy you want to build around. Yeah, you know this as well as I do. We've both been covering this for a long time in college football, and the easiest way to make up for deficiencies elsewhere is to have a star quarterback. It's just, I mean, it's sometimes this game is that simple. And, you know, they've been looking for it forever. Um, you know, I think we both would agree that the two guys that are going to compete right now, Milton and McCaffrey, uh, both have you know, the skills necessary to be, you know, probably, you know, a plus player and maybe even beyond that, I think we, we would both agree, but it'll just be about, can you put it together? Um, you know, Milton, of course, with the size and the strength and, and the arm and everything else, and he's got a work ethic on him as well and wants to be good and has done everything they've asked and all that stuff. And then the same thing can be said with McCaffrey and, and the one, maybe the, you know, the speed, um, you know, he's done everything they've asked. He's works his butt off, you know, he's a good kid, all that stuff. Um, and then you look at a guy like McCarthy coming in down the line and, you know, the one thing that stands out to me, and I know it's winter time, so I'm not sure if you got to see him throw, throw it all, but that kid can, he can throw. I mean, his, mm-hmm. he is, I mean, his accuracy, um, for a high school quarterback, now he's got to bulk up. I mean, he's in the similar situation that McCaffrey was in coming out of high school, mm-hmm. but he's a more accurate passer than McCaffrey was in high school, same close. I mean, he's, he's a legit, um, uh, you know, a legit arm talent kid with that can put the ball wherever he wants to go with it. Um, you know, not the fastest guy in the world, but again, you don't need you don't need to be a track athlete. That's why the same thing where I, I hear a lot of, you know, McCaffrey has got elite speed for a quarterback. I think that's everyone knows that at this point. And Milton is not as fast as as Dylan McCaffrey, but I don't think that necessarily means that's a deal breaker. I, I think he's fast enough, and I think I would say McCa- a guy like McCarthy would also be fast enough. Um, but you got to be able to throw the ball, man. That's that's the thing. You got to be able to put that thing where it needs to go, and you have to be able to hit open receivers. And that's the thing we talked about a lot with with Shea Patterson is when it finally started to click for him. You know, in the in the, in the end of the season, you know, we didn't see misses on on as many of those shots. We did in the Citrus Bowl, but we didn't see as many. You know, you know, when there was, was yards to be had against Ohio State or Indiana or some of those games late in the season, he was finding them, and you saw what the offense could do when he was delivering the ball on time. And then you saw, it was just funny how it works. And then you go back to the Citrus Bowl and you see exactly the opposite. You see all the touchdowns they left on the field. And you see all the points they left on the field. And you sit there and you remind yourself that Michigan's football team was, you know, was probably going to be in front of Alabama at halftime by probably a couple touchdowns if they would have landed some of those shots that needed to be landed. Um, And then you stop and pull yourself back and think about that for a second. And you say... Well, if they're doing some of those things and they're doing them on time, 
you know what, man, maybe they're not as far off as, as maybe people would like to think in terms of talent. They're not there, but maybe a better quarterback or more accurate quarterback or whatever you want to call it gets you you know, on the dance floor a little bit longer and at least keeps you in the fight longer uh, and allows you an opportunity to maybe make something happen. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, those coaches will talk about that execution and everything else, but, you know, your quarterback's got to make throws. And, you know, that's the hard part, I think, for play callers when, when they look at it and they say, you look, I mean, I had, we were, I was watching an XFL game the other day, not to get, I mean, I'm, this is my problem personally that I have, but, um, it was Pep Hamilton's uh, Washington, D.C. team and Cardell Jones, who had a really, really good game the first game that they played and first couple games. And then they go out in, in like the third or fourth game and he is and they're a mess and they can't move the ball. And it's like and I get people on Twitter. They're like, well, Pep Hamilton's just you know showing his ass on this game. And I'm like, well, you know, guys, it would help if Cardell Jones would make one read here, because if you watch the game and it was like he's just <laughs> missing everything and there's not anything you can do about it. So, you know, yeah, that's big time. And, and, and McCarthy's a really interesting kid who seems mentally, you know, advanced. And, and, I mean, his arm is really, really impressive as well. So, you know, very interesting, very interesting. If you haven't read that yet, Austin did a great job on that. Go check that out. It's, it's up at The Athletic right now um, where you can find all of our stuff. Uh, really, really good read and interesting insight into a, a kid who Michigan fans will be uh, hearing about, I'm sure, much more uh, as time goes forward. Yeah, and be sure to check out uh, Nick's coverage from the Combine as well. Uh, a lot of great Michigan basketball coverage up at The Athletic right yeah. now. So uh, a lot going on, and check back in a couple weeks. We will have full coverage from Michigan spring practice, which, uh, as Nick said, is kicking off here in a couple weeks. Uh, and I'm sure that we will be back here on the podcast as well uh, as spring practice gets rolling to keep you updated on all of that. So until then... Thank you, everybody, for checking out The Athletic, and thanks for listening to the RPM Podcast. Podcast.